Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Thanks for joining me for episode 194 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I'm the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. I also have a very special guest on today's show, Teresa, Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady, so much more than the Tarot Lady, this woman is I have learned she is kind of a shero in the witchy community, in the new age community. So many of you are fans. There are people lining up right now on the line to try to get to talk to her. So I don't know if we'll have time to do that today. But without any further ado, let me at least introduce you to Teresa. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Welcome, Joanna. Uh, thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you so much. I know you're on a busy book tour right now, so I'm really honored that you took the time to show up here today. Well, the first leg of my book tour is now complete because I never travel in winter, Um, although I am actually going somewhere in February, which is unusual for me. Uh, So right now I'm just like settling in and hibernating, so I am delighted to have this time to talk to you. Oh, perfect. How cozy. Um, I was telling you a little bit before the show started that uh, I was just a fan of your blog and reading your posts because they were fantastic. And I started linking to your blog posts quite a bit in uh, the Weekly Witch Review, which is the fun witchy link roundup that I do at the end of every week. Um, And I was just linking to you because I personally loved the content and wanted to share it. But what I didn't know (laughs) until I started sharing it is that you have a huge devoted fan base because people don't usually write in. People will write to me and say, oh, I love the the witch review. Thank you for doing that every week. Um, But they don't normally write in about like one specific link or one specific person. And they pretty consistently do that when I share your links. So uh, they get excited when they hear Teresa read. <laughs> and uh, not to put you on the spot, but I was curious if you have any idea why you think that is. Out of all the tarot readers that are, like, blowing up the Internet right now, why do you think you are getting such a rise out of people? I think it's because I am very down-to-earth, and I really actually care about people. You know, I'm not just, like, some unapproachable, like, you know, tarot person that is talking in a way that is above people. I talk to people, you know, in a way that they can understand. And I love to interact with people. You know, when you deal with me, whether it's through my business or through my writings, it's very intimate. I am very much there. I want to talk to you. I want to connect. So I think that's what it is. I think it's my friendliness. 
Or maybe it's because mm. I'm weird. Who knows? You know, I read some funny stuff once in a while. People like that too. <laughs> it's fun. I love that you just hopped right in with an answer to you because I think it's very important. I don't think you did that to model that for other women, but I love that you did anyway, because a lot of times when you pay a woman a compliment like that or say, you know, why do you think people think you're so awesome? <laughs> you're just going to get a lot of like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> people don't like to step people in general but women often don't want to step into that so I love that you're just like well I think it's because I am awesome <laughs> <laughs> well we have to learn how to receive compliments because when you don't learn how to receive compliments you're not opening up to receiving other things in your life oh, and that's, so that's something that's I'm a point. huge believer in that you know when someone says wow you're awesome or you did a great job it's important to say yeah I did you know and it really opens you up to receiving other things in, in the universe wow we got a little magic lesson there, and I totally agree with that. It's so true. Uh, one of the last times I mentioned you, someone wrote, she's the gold standard. And I immediately thought it was just that sentence, she's the gold standard. And I was like, the gold standard of what? Tarot readers, astrology teachers, online entrepreneurs, social media masters. And I was like, all of the above. She's kind of the gold standard of all of that. Like you – I love the free resources. I encourage everyone to go to your website and you'll have to give me the URL. Is it the tarolady.com? Yep. They can just go to the tarolady.com. And when they hit on free resources, I've got a ton of things up there for people. Uh, I have a free e-course for beginning tarot readers and it comes with a little manual. I have a free podcast for people who want to learn about business that I do with my partner, Brianna Saucy. I've got a free astrology course, you know, all kinds of different types of tarot related stuff. So I've got a ton of info on there for people. Tons. Yes. I think star school is so magical because it really, it's so great for people that are just beginning to learn astrology. I love that it's very user friendly. It's very easy on the eyes. But it's also not condescending, which I like. It's hard to get both, like very informative for beginners, but also it's done in a, um, in a very friendly, not condescending way that just invites you right in, like little bite-sized lessons that take you on this journey. I, I really recommend, people ask me about astrology a lot because I got into it pretty hardcore in the last year. <laughs> so I was right. reading to the star school post so people could check that out because it's such a great place to begin. You know, when I started learning tarot and astrology, it was a long time ago. Uh, I've been studying both for 35 years, a little bit longer. And the resources back then weren't very friendly. And there weren't a lot of resources back then. We had no internet, you know, so you had to really want to learn it and you had to pour through some things that were sometimes very difficult to read. They weren't fun. And I think people learn really well when they have hands-on, when things are not always so, you know, I don't want to say scholarly, but there are oftentimes people put books where they really want to sound smart. And it's like, you know, we don't have to be like that. Let's talk to people really in a grounded way because when they feel you're talking to them like that, I think they – they absorb the lesson. They don't feel intimidated. And it also doesn't put the teacher then on some sort of a pedestal. And I, I learned this through my, actually through my yoga teaching, because uh, one of the things I do on the side is I teach yoga. And I've been to many yoga classes where I've gotten yelled at by teachers for bringing in like a bottled water or for not wearing shorts. And I'm like, 
you know, mm, that doesn't work for me. And that doesn't work for a lot of people. Not everybody needs an authority figure to teach them. Sometimes people need someone who's their friend. Mm-hmm. An invitation. And I know we're going to talk about the tarot coloring book, but it just, yeah. I have to bring it up right now as well. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more towards the end of the episode, hopefully in greater detail. But what I love about that and, it, and what I was saying about Star School and your um, tarot lessons that you do is it's experiential. And yes. it's interesting that people will argue that I have an autistic son and mm-hmm. all through school, they tried to get him to learn at a desk with papers, you know, like the way that you're supposed to learn. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he got into a special program where it was, the learning was based on experience that we got to see where he is smart, what he's good at and what he can and how he can learn. And people will just argue that for kids in general, whether they have autism or not is, experiential learning is so much more powerful than just memorizing a bunch of facts and then like taking a test. And I think what you're inviting people to do is tap into that inner child because that's how we all learn. It doesn't stop a child. Mm -hmm. It, you know, we continue to learn and grow that way. Absolutely. You know, it's for me, I'm an experiential learner. And what a lot of people don't know is I actually have a slight hearing impairment and when I was a child, that caused me no end of grief. I'm probably going to lose my hearing when I get older. Uh, my father lost most of his, so it's, it's very likely that's going to happen. Uh, it makes it so I have to really pay attention to people. And when I was in school, you know, I was very bright, had a high IQ and all that, but the hearing was a problem. So I was always stuck sitting in front. I was a little girl who got called down for hearing tests all the time. And, you know, it was really miserable. It was embarrassing. And But when I got, you know, teachers who... And I, I was very lucky. I went to a, a darn good school. So knock on woods. Uh, I had just incredible luck in, in grade school and high school and just amazing teachers that really did teach in an experiential way. So I, I was fortunate. I went to the right school is what I like to say by accident. And, you know, it, it helped me to excel. I did really, really well. But there were times when teachers would do a lecture and my hearing would tune out and then I'd get frustrated, I'd get bored, and my mind went somewhere else, and here I'd come home, and I'd have to figure out the damn homework, so, you know, that was a real challenge for me, and as an adult, I've also found that uh, the same experiential learning works for me. When I was studying my yoga teacher training, one of the biggest struggles for me was anatomy. All of a sudden, I had to learn all this, you know, ileo-soas and this stuff, and I'm like, what? I'm never going to get this. This is super science stuff, and so I ended up getting this anatomy coloring book, and the anatomy coloring book, the beauty of it, you color in all those body parts, those muscles, those bones, those tendons, and bingo, everything stuck. And so, of course, you know, I got the highest grade in, in the yoga teacher training because I knew how I learned, and I just went and got that thing, and it worked like it worked well for me. Well, how did that branch out into tarot and astrology? Did it, astrology and tarot come at the same time for you? Or um, it sounds like you started with yoga, or is that not true? Oh, no, no. Tarot and yoga came first. I've only been teaching, or tarot and, and astrology came first. I learned, I started learning those when I was a teenager. I didn't start teaching yoga until I was an adult. And oh. I've only been teaching yoga now for about 12 years. But uh, I started with tarot and astrology when I was 15 years old. Uh, when I was 15, my girlfriend, her mother was an astrologer, and she introduced me to astrology. 
And then when I was studying some astrology, I was actually at a bookstore one day looking for astrology books on the rare trip to a bookstore. And um, also I saw a tarot deck and I'm like, ooh, I've seen these things in the movies, you know, like a typical teenager. So I grabbed that tarot deck and I took it home and it sung to me. It was something that I just, it clicked right away. And astrology clicked with the other part of my brain. Astrology is, you know, it's very mathematics. It's a lot of science, blah, blah, blah. But for that part of my brain that loves the logical stuff, that really clicks. And for the part of me that loves the intuitive stuff, tarot really speaks to me. So I like playing around with both of them because it uses both sides of my Gemini brain. Mm. That's so cool. You said you said the keyword I wanted to ask you about too, because I I titled the show like tapping into your intuition. Mm-hmm. But I I realized I named the show without even really getting your take. I know not all tarot readers believe what I believe, which is that the tarot is is tapping into your intuition. It's helping you mm-hmm. access your intuition, and um, perhaps the collective. Uh, conscious unconscious <laughs> the whole uh idea of like akashic records and all of that if that's a thing i feel like it's helping us access that but i do you think there's power innately in the cards or what is it that you think is coming through when you're doing a tarot reading well first of all i believe everybody has intuition every single one of us it's a it's an instinct just like an animal instinct and you know it it, oper- it, it functions very differently for Many people, especially people who like to tune it out, but you know, sometimes we get a gut feeling about things, but I think everybody's had an experience like that, where they've maybe felt something wasn't right for them, or something was right for them, and they don't know why, but they went for it. I mean, that's intuition in action. We all have it. It doesn't look like, I think, what people assume it looks like. People assume that you're going to see this big vision, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but oftentimes intuition is just a basic skill. So I think it's something that we all possess, and just some of us, we use it a lot more. So it's a muscle that gets trained. You can become psychically fit by just trusting it and paying attention to it. And that's the beautiful thing about tarot, because tarot is a tool that helps you to tap in and trust that part of your you know, that, that skill, that sense. So I think tarot is wonderful for people who want to develop their intuition. But you know what? Even if you don't have tarot, we all have that ability to tune in and listen. We just have to do that. Yeah. How, how do you think the tarot helps? Or tarot? Yeah, well, you can call it tarot. You can call it tarot. You know, I don't care. So I, I just flip-flop. It... I flip-flop. No, I, I. I, I try to keep everybody happy. <laughs> yeah, as long as people don't call it tarot, like a carrot, I don't care. <laughs> But the way it works like this is like, you know, you lay out the cards and then you look at the images and you look at the story that they're telling and how they go together. And then oftentimes what ends up happening is, you know, instincts arise or the images may invoke something. Um, You know, they're all archetypes in those images. So they really get us to open up and to see things and maybe to tap into how we're feeling about a certain thing. So I don't know if that's a really great eloquent way of expressing it, but I just look at them as a tool. We look at them, we look at the pictures, and all of a sudden we might get an epiphany, or maybe we might feel like a gentle knowing, you know. So that's how I think it works in a nutshell. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Do you think there is a power in the cards themselves. I noticed there's just so many different decks now, and I'm pretty uh, married to the Rider-Waite-Smith system. 
Um, yep. one, deck in, one deck in particular just works for me. And I have a collection, but this is the one deck that I trust. <laughs> and I, it's yeah. very hard to explain why it's my friend. I don't know why it works better than the others. But I'm very much interested in that system that's been developed over time. And, um, and then I see a lot of more uh, sort of like pop gimmicky cards that are like losing that symbolism. And um, I think anything can help you tap into your intuition, really, like just Absolutely. a blob. You could have Oracle decks, you know, with like blob, paint blobs on them or whatever. But how do you think that factors into the, does the symbolism, let's say in something like the Rider Waite Smith, does that have its own innate power or is it, could it just be any, any card deck? I think the, the Rider Waite is great. I love it. It's a deck that I usually stick with. I mean, I, every once in a while I'll go off and get crazy about another deck for a while, but I always come back to the Rider Waite. I think the symbols in there are universal. The archetypes are universal. Uh, we can look at certain images, like I have my Rider Waite handy, and I pull the fool, for example, right now, and we can look at the imagery here and see he's about to go off a cliff. What might that be telling me? You know, this is this is the way it works. It's very universal. But my my feeling is this. It's not going to work for everybody. Just like no lover works for everybody, right? We all have to have a lover that we look at, that we love to look at, that makes us feel a certain way. And what appeals to me is not going to appeal to you. So for tarot, it's like choosing a lover. You want to choose one that you're attracted to, one that speaks to you, one that you feel intimate with. So when you're picking a deck for you, that might mean the right of weight, but for somebody else, it might be the fountain tarot, which by the way, I love that deck. Or somebody else might enjoy, you know, um, maybe the, one of my favorite decks of the Baroque Bohemian Cats tarot. Uh, mm. You know, we, we all got to find what, what do we like to look at? What does this make me feel? That's the determining factor. So I don't think there's a standard deck for anybody. I think there's a standard deck for you personally but it's not necessarily going to work for somebody else because we don't like to look at the same thing. That's a great way of putting it. My deck, by the way, is the Tarot Illuminati. I just love it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's because I'm such a movie fan. There's something very cinematic about it. But yeah. what you just said made me immediately think, I am such a serial monogamist. <laughs> this is why I think I get attached to a deck. <laughs> like I yeah. notice, um, I only read for myself, but I see uh, people who read for other people. They'll let, you know, they'll let their clients, what deck do you want me to read from? And they've got like a huge array. And I always think, oh, but this deck, this is the one that works for me. Yeah, see, I never let the clients pick the deck because I have to make sure that I'm tuned into that deck that day. It's what it's me that's having to tune in. So, and most of my work now is over the phone or email anyway. So they don't get to choose the deck. I am always one in charge of the deck because I'm the one again who has to love that deck. I've got to be in love with it. I have to like looking at it. I've got to feel it. It's really very again intimate. It's like making love in a way. Mm. That's a great way to put it. Do you feel like there's a um, psychic component outside of intuition that comes into play that you're communicating maybe with a person's soul or spirits that are connected to them or are you going purely on your own intuition i think it's a little bit of both you know um i grew up with a very very psychic mother and grandmother and my mother would have visions or or omens that's what her and grandma would say and so you know i was also fortunate to, to grow up in a household like that so there's certain things that i see as like an omen or i have prophetic dreams i've got crazy 
crazy dreams where dead people who aren't even connected to me come into my dreams. So I know there's some psychic element. You know, it's really interesting. Um, a couple months ago, I had a visit from my uh, ex-husband's father who passed away a few years ago. And, you know, I was divorced for many years, so I had no contact with this guy. I didn't talk to this guy, my father, ex-father-in-law, for years. So all of a sudden, here he is in my dream. And at the time, my children's uncle was still holding on to the family's property because they weren't ready to sell it. It was a beautiful property on the lake. And, you know, the uncle said, oh, when I get around to it, I'll get around to it, blah, blah, blah. So I have this dream that here's my ex-father-in-law, and he's in this beautiful garden. He's kicking back in this lawn chair wearing a flannel shirt. He looked great. I mean, really, really good. Smoking a cigarette, just like he used to do back in the day. And I saw him and I said, oh, my God, you know, how are you doing? And he said, I'm doing great. I said, you look great. And he said, I am. I love my new home. Tell them to sell the house. So I woke up. I called my daughter. And I said, I had the weirdest dream about your grandfather. And she says, oh, that's weird. And she says, well, I'm not going to tell Uncle Mike because he doesn't believe in any of these things. Because my ex-husband's side of the family is very much logical. They're not into any of this intuition stuff. Well, two weeks later, my daughter gets a phone call from her uncle. And he says, I just want to let you know we just sold the house. And it was just, I mean, how does that happen? We can't explain some of these things, right? So there is a bit of that psychic stuff. Is it people's guides? I mean, is it being open to it? We don't know when weird stuff like that happens. But because I grew up in a household where the mystical was typical, you know, this this kind of stuff doesn't, it, it kind of still surprises me once in a while, but it's just part of who I am and part of how I, I guess, do my work. There's part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, so would you say your mom and your grandmother, were they religious? Were they witchy? Oh, my God. Or? Yeah. Super religious. Well, super Catholic. Religious. Okay, all right. Well, so wait, let me you... just backtrack that. My grandmother was a little bit of a heathen. She did like to stay home on Sundays and drink. So let's just <laughs> backtrack that a little bit. She could talk religion, but her religion was beer. My mother, though, was, and my father were both super religious, super Catholic, hardcore. Mm. I've always found, I've just found in talking to people over the years that Catholics tend to move into witchy stuff. I'm just blanket statement, including terror in that more easily than those of us that grew up in a more like stripped down Christianity, like Methodist, Baptist, Mennonite brethren, which is what I am because the Catholics, you know, you guys have such pageantry and the incense and the candles and the symbolism. I feel like it's a natural progression from there sometimes. It's the most occult of all the religions. I mean, look at it, look at it for a second. My, you're always praying to some saint to do some favor for you. I've got this one statue of St. Anthony, and it's got a removable baby, a removable baby Jesus. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take that baby away and tell St. Anthony, now listen, I need you to get me this, find this so-and-so, otherwise you don't get the baby back. Oh, my <laughs> you know, God. Oh, my God. I've never done that, by the way. But I just think I found that statue and I read the history behind it. I'm like, oh, my God, i got to have this thing. I've got a ton of Catholic statues. I love them. And, you know, again, it's the religion itself lends very well to that. And I grew up doing a lot of prayer. I studied CCD. I taught CCD, which is Catholic education for a while. And I was also fortunate that I had a lovely priest growing up. I had the most fantastic priest. He was so open-minded, super cool, and, you know, typical old Irish priest, but very, very loving. And, you know, he was 
very cool about mystical things, too. I remember he told me once that he said, you know, many of the saints were mystics. They could see things. That stuck with me. Yeah, I think I'm jealous of the Catholics. That was what was really missing. <laughs> that was really missing. <laughs> yeah, well, we have, Even, we have a lot of other twists and stuff, though, too, so don't get too jealous. Yeah, 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 no. I, I, I went, my best friend was Catholic, which was very taboo because you Catholics were definitely going to hell for sure. And, mm-hmm. um, but I got to go to church with her a couple of times, and I found it very exciting, just a thrill, because our church, we were basically in a white room with no symbolism, <laughs> just plain walls, and just a big cross on the wall, and it was so stripped down that when I went into that world, I was just like, I think oh, I'm yeah. supposed to be here, but oh my god, I love it. <laughs> it's, you know what it's like? It's like RuPaul's Drag Race. That's oh. what it's like. It's all this glitter and glamour, and like you said, pageantry. And for a little kid, you know, there's certain things about it I didn't like. I was very uh, rebellious about church stuff from a very early age because I didn't like the rules. I didn't like sitting still. I didn't understand why I couldn't be a priest, why I was relegated to just none at best. So I had a lot of sass back in the day. But I did, you know, again, I loved my priest. I loved the church I went to. It was beautiful and magical. And we have Holy Hill here in Wisconsin. If you ever get to Wisconsin, Holy Hill is a very magical place that I would go to. Every once in a while, my parents would would go there for, you know, church instead of our regular church. And it is the most gorgeous place. It's high up on a hill and they have this huge rickety tower that you can climb up. And when you get to the top, the view is just incredible. Holy Hill. So that's a church? Yeah, it's a church. Wow. Cool. I loved it when we went to Holy Hill because it was the fanciest church around. You know, I got to have a little bit of that bling. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still go to church or was there a moment like in your teen years or something where you're like, I know I'm going to do Tarot? No, the thing for me, I did Tarot when I was a teenager, whether or not I was going to church, my parents didn't care. Um, for me, my goal always was that as soon as I'm 18, I'm going to stop going to church. Because for me, church was boring. I didn't like the rules. And also, I didn't like the hypocrisy that I would see certain kids in school who were really mean to me. And then they'd go into church and they'd act like they were holy rollers. And even my parents, you know, my parents were certainly typical flawed parents, but they'd go into church and they'd be acting another way. And I'm like, now, wait a minute. Why is this like this? So I questioned all of it. And I got in trouble for doing plenty of things that were considered, quote, unquote, sacrilegious back then. You know, for example, I was in one class at CCD and they were talking about punishment and how great it is and how, you know, how it's great when your parents punish you. And these other kids, everybody got a chance to stand up and talk about, oh, yeah, I feel like when my parents punish me, blah, blah, blah. And of course, then it's my turn. I said, well, I don't like being punished. I'm not about this. I don't like it. I don't see how it helps me. And of course, I got in trouble for that. But I didn't like being punished. I'm like, no, I'm not going to say I like this. You know, so for me, those were things that I didn't dig. I didn't like the rules. I had different ideas. I thought when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, no, I like my my religion's rock and roll. I got different plans. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that totally speaks to me, the religion of rock and roll. You know, I was very, 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 very rebellious in my teenage years and my 20s and my early 30s. Sure. I didn't get my first tarot deck until 2000, May 24th, 2008. I remember it vividly wow. because I was, it took me a long time to build up to getting a deck because even though I had already, or I thought that I had already 
made peace with leaving the church and not being a Christian. Um, I often say it took about eight years, that process of not worrying that I was going to hell. I did still feel like I was doing something wrong buying a tarot deck, even though I was in my mid thirties and I had long, I thought since gotten over that and it was thrilling and scary at the same time. And uh, I just thought that was so weird that I could just, uh, I was in a punk rock band screaming and swearing and just running the gamut of all the things you can do that are rebellious. And then this little deck of cards is making me feel like, I wonder if it's okay that I'm buying this. Well, you know, that's really interesting because because I did grow up, you know, with this a psychic mother and grandmother and and they were religious, but they didn't care about me doing tarot. They didn't care about any of that. You know, I don't know if it's because they were busy or they just didn't care or they thought it was cool. Who knows? Um, I actually didn't realize that people thought tarot was, you know, a scary thing or a taboo thing until I started doing it professionally. Isn't that weird? So not until I was almost 30 did I come across people who were not into it and who were mm. scared of it? I thought, wow, what are you scared of? This is 78 paper cards. You know, there's nothing scary about them. And I just thought that was very, uh, very weird. So for I me, I have the, the movies. Well, it's, it's the movies. movies and, <laughs> and also I think there are some belief systems and I'm always about respecting people's belief systems, but there's some belief systems that, think that somehow if you're trying to read these cards that maybe you're trying to speak for God or something and it's like no 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 that's not what it's all about no one's trying to speak for for anything we're just trying to tap in and see what the heck is going on here yeah and I mean speaking of God I think our intuition is a direct line to God it's it's our it's a gift and um I don't think God is a man in the sky I think it's energy but that's a whole other conversation but I feel like this is this is a tool we've been given. And I, I think people fear their own innate power and that so many religious rules spring up around that because it's not just their own power. It's if everybody recognizes their own power, we won't be able to control them anymore. <laughs> yeah. You might be onto something with that right on. Yeah. It's easier to control people. If you tell them that their own intuition or their personal power is bad and evil and that they're going to hell for accessing that, in my opinion, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. on. Brings me back around to your coloring book because uh, which is what you were just on the, the book tour um, promoting yeah. gorgeous. But what I love, I know that you present it as an all ages learning tool, but certainly children um certainly children could teach themselves tarot this way which i love which i love Mm -hmm. like uh, i i work with a lot of witchy parents and some of them are so great they'll buy their kids little tarot decks but i love that you could get a child that's interested in this a coloring book and even if they're not able to read you know, the text mm-hmm. that they can just sit there and start working with the symbolism in the way that we were talking about and start teaching themselves that way. Oh, um, yeah. And, and also when they color the images, they can be having conversations with their parents about lots of different things. Because the tarot, again, we've got the hero's journey and the major arcana. We have images that are maybe a little bit um, disconcerting. We have images that are really happy. You can talk about things. You can open up conversations with your children. Tarot's a wonderful tool for that. Yeah. I love that we're bringing these 
or you, I should say, we, <laughs> these formerly occult practices out of the closet and then giving them like a rightful place as, as being wholesome and valuable methods for tapping into what I was just saying, like our God-given intuition and maybe something greater than ourselves, our individual selves as well. And there are some cards that might be scary to kids, but I mean, kids can handle it. If you look at the video games they're playing or the movies they're watching, they're very aware of these things and giving them a language to express that I think is empowering for them. Absolutely. You know, a lot of the great movies uh, have stories about good versus evil and all of that and about becoming powerful. Look at many of the old children's movies that are out there. They have stories also about being honest, being a good person. And you can look at the tarot cards and you can find all these little lessons and fables and stories that can also be a teaching for children. So it can be, you know, absolutely something that kids can enjoy and learn from much as they learn from any of these movies or stories. Yeah. I see. I'm looking at people lining up here to, to talk to you. Um, maybe we should try to take some questions. <laughs> um, I'd yeah. love to ask, ask you before we do that, though, um, just about the, the tarot coloring book. Like, yeah. What's this all about, lady? Absolutely. So the tarot coloring book is a – it's part coloring book, it's part tarot manual, and it's also a book that you can use for journaling and scrapbooking and all kinds of creativity because the good publishers at Sound True were wise enough to not only make a beautiful book, but to make a user-friendly book. And the book is written in a lingo that is easy to understand. It's, it's hip, it's modern, it's fun. Um, and it's got a lot of useful information that's really going to get you started. I think that this is a great book for people who are new to tarot, they're intimidated by it, or they want to learn it in a fun, experiential way. But I've also found that it is good for people who've been doing it a while and just want to look at their cards in a new way. You know, when you're coloring those cards, it's very meditative, and you might, know, you might start to notice things that you've never noticed before. So even for old readers like me, we can find things in those cards that maybe we've never thought about before. And it's also a great tool if you are a teacher and you're teaching tarot. So if you're a tarot reader and you teach, and that's part of what you do, this is a great way also to get your students really involved in a creative way learning the cards. So, you know, it's good for the pros, it's good for old hats, it's good for new readers. It's just a really fun way to grok the tarot. Mm. So cool. Where can people buy it? Oh, they can get it all over the place. Uh, in fact, if you go to my website at thetarolady.com and click on coloring book, it'll show you all the places online. But I mean, it's in major bookstores everywhere. And a lot of little indie bookstores. I love going to my little indie bookstores and seeing my book there. Um, a lot of metaphysical shops are, stop, are stopping it, too. So you should be able to find it pretty much anywhere now. That is and you can cool. request it, too, at your local bookstore. If they don't have it, request it. Nice. Yes. Is it on Amazon? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Let's see if we can get a question going here. There are people that, there's someone that's been waiting for 38 minutes. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to say the first three numbers of your phone number. And if you're there, 
ask Teresa one clear question so we can try to fit in as many people as we can. And if, if you don't hop on right away, I'm sorry. I have to go to the next person because there are quite a few of you waiting in line. <laughs> this is unexpected. I did not mean to do this, but since you're all here, let's just see what happens. So Yeah, what the heck? 845. Let me see if I can get you on here. 845. Hello. Do you have a question? Hello. For thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. Lovely show. Thank you. Yay. I um thank you. I appreciate it. What's your name? Catherine? Hi Catherine. Yeah, what do you want Hi, to ask Teresa? Um I want to ask if I should show my project um to AA or KBJ, if one of them, you see them coming on board and we can sort of partner up. Uh, so are you asking me to do a reading-wise? Oh, I thought that's what we, when you said question, is that what you meant or no? Uh, I wasn't prepared for that. So. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't prepared for that. I'm not in the mode for that right now. Okay. Thanks, Sorry Catherine. about that. Oh, no problem. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Like, Thank you for holding. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great show. Okay, let's try 504. 504? Hey, thank you. This is Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Hi thanks. Um, I, my question is about the tarot. When I was little, I used to draw the moon card before I knew what I was doing. So this card has always intrigued me because mm. I would talk about it. Even before, like, I knew what it was about, I'd never even seen tarot cards. And I'm wondering what the symbolism is of that card. Great question. Well, first of all, the moon talks a lot about our instincts, Debbie. It okay. is all about, you know, those animal instincts that we have. And I want you to think about the moon for a moment. You know, the moon, it controls the tides. I mean, we are all in some way really connected with that moon. And it controls, for example, women's cycles. And so the moon talks a lot about the mystical side of life. It talks about, you know, our instincts, our intuition, our connection with those things that we cannot see but we feel. The moon can also sometimes symbolize our anxieties and fears, you know, those things in the dark that go mm -hmm. bump in the night that maybe yeah. we need to bring out into the light of day so that we can heal them. So I think okay. it has a lot to do with intuition, instincts, and also healing like the shadow side. Okay. Wow. That's a, it's a that's jam a good one. car. Yeah, and there's two dogs on it, and I would talk about that. Uh-oh. We're losing her, but can you speak to the dogs really quick? I'm going to mute her. Again, the dogs talk about those animal instincts. Is she still there? Uh, I muted her because her, her line was cutting out. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. All right, so the dogs, um, again, they represent, you know, the animal instincts, but also they represent the duality in our minds. You know, like one side could be the untamed side of our mind, the instinctual side, the animal side. It's, um, I think I say, like, in the book, it's domestic versus primal, so both sides of our mind. Nice. Okay, so we have one more, 720. <laughs> Seven two zero. 
Hello, 720, are you there? Okay, 720, sorry, we have to move on. There's another 561. 561. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, who Hello. are we talking to? Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Did you have a question for Teresa? Yes, I do. I wanted to know, um, when am I going to get a, um, a job, please? Oh, honey, I'm not doing readings today. We were only talking about tarot. This is more of an educational podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. No problem. I wasn't expecting to do readings, so uh, certainly not ready for that today. Okay, thanks. Thank you. So it seems a lot of people want to do readings with you, so we should tell them how to do that. Um, do, you, do you still do one-on-one readings? Because I know you've been doing this so long, and you have so many other things you've got going on. Absolutely. If they are interested in doing a reading with me, they can find me at thetarolady.com and you can click on buy a reading. I have lots of different options. I have email readings. I have phone readings. I have 15-minute sessions, half-hour sessions. So lots and lots of ways they can work uh, with me. Absolutely. I love that you have, is this just for um, entrepreneurs? I can't remember, but you have a an option where people can ask you one question or two questions, like in an email format or three questions. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you offer for entrepreneurs or is that for everybody? That's for everybody. So I have that. I also do like business mentoring for people in my industry because I'm super passionate about helping my mystical peeps succeed. That's a big thing for me. I always like to say every, there's enough work for all of us. And I've been at this a long time, so I love encouraging other readers. So that's another thing that I offer. And I also have some specialty forecasts that I do. One is called the Entrepreneur Cast, and it's it's basically a very involved uh, project that helps map out your business year. Because I use tarot and astrology for my business, and it's worked well for my business. It's a very popular option. I only offer it three times a year, and it usually sells out like within five minutes. Um, I also do a thing called the tarot cast, which is a 12-month forecast with the cards, and that's something I offer once a month, and those are things, you know, other things that I offer, and the tarot cast, you can do it for just regular life or business life. Mm, cool. I yeah, I separate them because my business brain is different than my tarot brain. I think my brain is divided into, like, 10 different parts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's that Gemini, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, how would someone, what is the best way to utilize a tarot reading? If someone wants to buy a tarot reading from you or another reader, like how do they make the most out of it? Since we have people that have questions here that might be contacting you or any tarot reader, like how do you make the most of that call or that email? Well, it's by asking a good question. That's the big thing. You know, when you ask questions like, will I, like, for example, will I meet a guy? What you're doing is you're saying that um, you're being passive about your future. And I'm a very proactive person. And I think it's really important to ask questions that put you in that proactive position. So instead of asking something like, you know, will I meet a guy? A better question would be, what can I do to get into a healthy relationship? Or what do I need to know about this current relationship I'm in and how can I move it in a healthy direction? You know, when you're asking questions like that or questions like how can I understand blank or, um, you know, how can I best support 
this situation or this person at this time, when you're asking questions like that, you're putting yourself in the driver's seat. And instead of saying life is happening to you, you're creating your life. So I think a good question should be the number one thing. Yes. Quality questions, people. Do you ever guide people when they ask you a question? Do you guide them like, well, maybe we should reframe it this way, or you just kind of go with what they ask you? I'm all about respecting my clients. I answer whatever they ask, unless the question is something that's none of their business. You know, and so I, I'll work with whatever question. I do, of course, prefer if they ask a good question, but sometimes people, they want to know what they want to know, and it's not my job to judge that. I just try to get the information that they need in a way that they're going to understand. So I just answer mm -hmm. the question. What is the most common questions that you get? The most common question, of course, people want to know about their love lives. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people want to know about a relationship that they're in. Uh, another common question, too, is people want to know about their financial security. So I get a lot of questions about that. But I also have a – I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. So one of the things – it's because I have this weird, bizarre, bizarrely good business sense. I have, like, a knack for it. And so I have, like, a lot of business people that I work with, and I love working with them. I love talking about business. I love everything about it. So I get a lot of questions about that. So I probably divide it into three categories. You know, those yeah. are the most common ones. But then there's also the, the questions where people want to know about a pet. They might want to know about uh, a relative who's going through a rough time. I mean, I do get a pretty, pretty big variety of questions, actually. Yeah. Well, what about on the readers and, like, people that are just – I love that you are empowering other tarot readers, by the way. Um, I think that's so cool um, that there's not that territorial sense. I actually think that tarot – the tarot reader community is just like that in general. And I suspect you may have set the tone for that to a large degree. Um, so what if somebody really wants to get into that line of business that has no idea where to begin? Like, what would you recommend they do? First, make sure you're darn ready to do it because this work is not easy. It's actually very hard. And I'm not saying it to be discouraging, but you have to deal with a lot of weird stuff, you know, less stigma around the work. It's oftentimes long hours. Um, I work sometimes, most days I work a 10 hour day. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's a lot of work. You're dealing with people's energy. You're dealing with people's situations. You have to be very responsible, very respectful. It's just very, very tough work. So the first thing I say, make sure you are ready. And that means you should have been reading for a couple of years, have been under your belt and reading for a lot of different situations so that you're prepared when somebody comes in with a very sensitive or very difficult situation. And then the other thing I tell people is if you really feel that you're ready, then you need to start running your business like a business. And you should take some business classes, basic ones, and learn things about paying taxes, keeping records, answering your emails, you know, follow through, all of those things. So make sure you're ready and then make darn sure you have a good understanding of business. And from there, you should be able to make it work. Mm -hmm. So when you say reading for a while, do you mean doing free readings for people? Well, you know, I read for 10 years before I started working professionally. I was reading mm. whoever would let me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. whoever would let me and be like, yeah, please, can I read your cards? And so, you know, uh, the last couple of years before I went pro, I was reading at a bar. And boy, was that a good training ground. I wow. highly recommend yeah. it. It's, it's, not, it's not for the same part. But I'll let me tell you, you, you get your chops down real quick. 
when you're doing reading after reading in a really fast-paced bar situation. Yes, so I did a couple years people. like that. Yeah, it was tough, but boy, did I learn. I learned so much. It was so good for me. What What is just the first one that comes to mind? You've probably had many, but what's like the hardest lesson that you had to learn or the one that was just like, ouch, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it could be an example of a reading you did or just a general lesson when you were like new and just starting out. Oh, my goodness. I have so many lessons. I think the biggest lesson has always been boundaries. Because every once in a while, I've had to deal with people who are rude or mean or not open, like really closely experienced. So I learned actually a lot of really difficult lessons about boundaries and about having to set those boundaries with people. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on about that. I've also learned that you don't have to read for everybody. And there are some situations that you shouldn't be putting yourself into. I'll never forget years ago I had... I used to do tarot parties. I haven't done tarot parties for years. They, they just weren't a good fit for me because I'm an introvert. Uh, but I got an invite to go to this one place, and it was in kind of a sketch neighborhood. And anyhow, the woman came to the door, and she answered the door, and she had a black eye. And I thought, well, this is not looking good. And no. she led me into this really creepy, dimly lit place. And I'm starting to get a little freaked out. So I'm sitting down. I can barely see because I have terrible night vision. And all of a sudden, I thought I saw something going across the table. I'm like, what the heck is my eyes playing tricks on me? But I'm sitting there trying to read the cards. And all of a sudden, my eyes adjust. And here are cockroaches swarming the walls. There's mice running across the floor. And I'm sitting with this man who wants to know if his girlfriend's cheating on him. And the girlfriend is the woman with the black eye. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, this is not how I want to work. And so I had to learn that, you know, sometimes we don't go to dangerous areas. Sometimes we have to set boundaries. Sometimes we have to say, no, that was not a fun reading night. Wow. That's a pretty, that's way more intense than I, than I imagined <laughs> you were going to oh, answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess so that's when, why again, you... when you're going to do this as a profession, you better make sure you're ready because you will sometimes deal with situations that are very, very freaky like that. I've got a ton mm-hmm. of stories on that, like that. Yeah. Well, I guess that's when your intuition, too, comes into play. Is like, don't go into mm-hmm. that house. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I had to learn that. I, You know, I used to think at the beginning that you're just supposed to do whatever when you're in business. And I, I didn't have good boundaries. I had to really learn some pretty hard lessons around that. Yeah. Do you feel like there's energetic? Do you work with any kind of, like, psychic shielding? Or is that not a part of your practice? I don't put any shields up because it's my vulnerability that makes me good at my work. It's my lack of boundaries that makes me good at my work, but it's also what gets me into trouble. So I I have to really, I have to be open. I have to be open to whatever comes my way. Otherwise, if I'm shutting things off and shielding things, I'm not tuning in. And I want to make sure, again, if you want to look at this as like lovemaking, you want to be open to the experience. You want to be receptive. And you can't do that if you're putting up huge, giant walls. So for me, I have to be open. But then after I'm done at the end of the day, I just got to let it all go. And I'm very good at that. Yeah, I bet. I'll bet. Yeah, that's a good lesson for all of us 
too. Like, do you mm-hmm. have any tips for releasing even someone that let's just say works in a big, busy office? It's just all that energy you're picking up all day. Do you have a practice that you do? Um, or is it just so natural to you? You're just able to just be like, and I'm dumping this all now. <laughs> well, it's partly very good for me. It's partly very natural for me because I learned how to detach really early in life. And I'm very good at like emotionally disconnecting when I need to. But for me, at the end of the day, it's very ritualistic. It's like I turn the computer off, I blow my candle out. I also have a candle lit when I start, and then the candle gets blown out when the day is over. And then the day is done, and I go and I cook. And my cooking is my creativity. It is my way then to say the day is done. The readings are done. I'm not doing this anymore. Hmm. There's something very meditative and ritualistic about cooking, too. I'm big on rituals. I think just cooking is just a shower is can be symbolic, especially yep. if you do it with intention. I am now washing off everybody else's stuff <laughs> and preparing yeah. myself for the rest of my day or my evening. Absolutely. And the same like in, in the day before I begin my day, uh, meditation and lighting the candle sets me up for dealing with my clients. That's why again, yeah. when people called in, you know, and wanted a reading, I'm not in the mindset for that right now. I have mm-hmm. to be in the mindset and open for that. Uh, that's very important for me to be ready for my client. Yeah, and that was just an accident. I just happened to see people were waiting in line, and I was right. just thought, well, let's know. See what, yeah, let's see what they're doing. Um, they must be your fans because they don't normally do a call-in show. That's, I've done a couple. It's very unusual, though. So they must be Teresa Reed fans that were excited by the chance to get to to get to pick your brain there for a second. <laughs> I'm delighted uh, that they showed up. I'm just delighted. Yeah, they were all sweet too. Um, so something I really like to ask people in general, um, and I'm really interested in what you have to say about this, because you're such a well-rounded person with the, with the biz skills and the astrology and the tarot. You're so great, by the way, too, at, at social media and connecting in a way that makes the person on the other end feel like a human. I just love that about mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Um, what is just the first tip that comes to mind, but one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? I know that's vague, but people that listen to my show, like that's what we're all trying to do here. <laughs> we're, we're trying to move closer to the dreams of our hearts using magic, personal development, law of attraction, tarot, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I, my, my advice is to not, not listen to anybody's advice over your own wise inner guidance. Because oftentimes, you know, we get people who give us well-meaning advice, and I got plenty of well-meaning advice, but I'm a stubborn girl. And if something didn't feel right, if something didn't feel like it was resonating for me, I've always tended to listen to that. And so I think it's really important if you want to live the life of your dreams, Stop looking at the external validation or looking for other people to always give you the guidance. Look within yourself. You've got that guidance right there. And that is going to help you to create the life that you want. Listen to what your heart is telling you. What are your desires telling you? And let that help guide you towards your dreams. Mm. I cut and pasted one thing that you said that I thought maybe I would like to pull out during this interview. And it so compliments what you just said that I am going to read it right now. <laughs> it's something you wrote very, you wrote it very recently. Um, I think you might be in New York in the photo of, in this blog post, you look adorable. You're wearing like black boots and black leggings and this scarf. Um, I forget the name of the post, but hopefully you can direct people there. Oh, I know which one. It's, okay, it's a, okay. a, what about, um, it's kind of 
we're saying right here. If I only would have listened. Yeah. That's the blog post, the hit list. Yeah. Okay. I know if, which if one you're people want to go to your blog, it's fairly, it's a fairly recent one, but I cut and pasted this little piece. Um, it's so great to end on this note. It says, she, Teresa says, the next time someone tries to dash your dreams, put you in your place, tell you to not say anything or slam your work, give yourself permission to tune that noise out. Don't let someone else's worldview determine your world. Create your world on your term. No apologies. Yay. Yes, I'm all about that. Again, I'm a stubborn girl. So <laughs> I've got lots of people, if they read that, they'll see some of the advice I've gotten over the years. My life would be so different if I let anybody else dictate what my life should be. Mm-hmm. And nobody should let you or put you in a box that you don't belong in pick your own darn box yeah and you've got the life to prove it what is this 25 years in now as a tarot reader over 25 years as a professional tarot reader just got off long time just got off a book tour community gathering around loving you so much this is a woman who walks her talk go visit her website please can you give us that url one more time Teresa? Absolutely, Joanna. It is www.thetarolady.com. Thetarolady.com. How easy is that? (laughs) Go check out her (laughs) blog, check out her free resources, get a reading, and definitely get the tarot coloring book. It's Christmas time, people. Yule, Hanukkah, it is gift-giving time. This is an amazing gift to get for the witchy person in your life, the tarot reader in the life, curious child. I think it's such a great, this is such great timing, this release. Right on. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for calling in too. Much love, everybody. Peace. Thank you. Yay. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.